you know, but New Year's uh, Day is, uh, you know, most likely I think 99% of all churches today will be preaching about a new beginning. <laughs> a new beginning. And you know what, the problem is that when, if you keep preaching about new beginning, when the new beginning yesterday was not a new beginning. And, uh, but uh, what I believe that, uh, one of the things that was quite uh, interesting, uh, you know, one of my favorite characters in the Bible is Gideon. Because of Gideon, he's very similar to the time of uh, the Gideon, where we meet Gideon, is very similar to the time where we are as a church today. That uh, we, in the body of Christ today, we really do not have a, a global leadership. We, we don't have anyone like a reference point. We had Billy Graham, which was a universal reference point. Uh, but now he's gone home to be with Jesus. And so, like, so like with, in, the, in the time of the judges, well, you know, we have, there was a judge somewhere, but things were not going quite right because of, uh, when the angel of the Lord came to Gideon, he said, Gideon said to the angel of the Lord, hey, what happened to all these miracles? And, you know, yeah, we knew that God delivered you out of uh, Egypt many, many, many years ago. And, um, and I think, as you heard me talk about that, that the first thing that uh, Gideon, you know, when God comes to Gideon, and the funny thing about it is, for Gideon, he says, I'm, the, I, I'm completely useless. That's basically what he's saying. You know, I'm, from the, I'm the worst in the worst tribe. You know, I'm not just the worst in my family. My family is the worst. And uh, as you know, that this was a completely misconception because of, we see later on in Gideon's life, when he finally gets around to do what God asked him to do, he is not that poor. Okay? You know, when he, when he had to, you know, when you, you know, according to the Levit Levitical laws, that if you are wealthy, you sacrifice a bull. Okay? He had to sacrifice two. Which means it was not such a poor family. But not only that, he didn't even do it himself. He got his servants to do it. So can you, you know, and, and I believe that this is the image of many of us as believers because of we religion uh, likes to degrade people. You, know, you you take any religion. I remember when back in early days that I was writing the when there was a team from YWAM that went to Tibet many many years ago, and I think that was the first mission team that ever went to Tibet at the time. <coughs> and uh, because I was the only one who could do typewriting. So I was typing it for them, and you know what? The religious practices in Tibet was just degrading. You know, like, and, and you know what? Over the years I found out that any religion degrades people. It can be Islam, it can be Hinduism, it can be Buddhism, you, can, you name it. It can be Christendom or Christianity too. That when, it, when you come to religious practices, it, it's always the same thing that man has to lift up their God. But that's not Christianity. You know, Christianity, living faith, relationship with Jesus uh, is different because Jesus, we don't need to lift him up. And I think that really seriously, we need to go through a lot of the worship songs because it's not, it does not portray, portray the relationship that God wants with us. Christianity, or what we what, what we can call faith, what we call because Christianity can be many things, but living faith in Jesus is not about lifting up Jesus. The difference from that is that our Jesus, He lifted us up. Do you understand? That, that religion will always want you to lift up God, but living faith have realized that Jesus, He lifted up us. No, when He 
hung on that cross, all the sins of mankind was laid upon him. The Bible says he was made a sinner. Okay, he was, he was not a sinner, but he was made a sinner. All the sins of the world was laid upon him from the outside. And that's where you see the first, uh, where he quotes Psalm 22, where he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why was it like that? Because when all the sins, our sins were laid upon him, God had to turn his face away. The, what, what, what is it that Jesus did? He became the lowest of the lowest of mankind. Why? So that anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus, he can be saved. Because Jesus had already paid the price. The drug addict, the prostitute, the serial killer, you, whatever crime they have done, if they cry out on the name of Jesus, he, can be, he or she can be saved. Why? Because Jesus was made lower than the lowest for all of us. And that's the difference. But, you know, like I like my... Uh, the woman with the, the woman who was caught in adultery, and uh, and when we bring her to Jesus, and uh, it's, it's in the Gospel of John, and it's interesting. It's only in the Gospel of John that story is, and uh, <clears throat> but the detail is that you know when Jesus is writing on the on the ground, and every would feel oh, you think what is he writing? No, and that's not really important what he's writing. What is important is what is he doing. And you know, in two instances, when they, throw, when they bring her in front of Jesus, and when you know, when Jesus he says the famous, famous words, "He who has with, who is without sin, throw the first stone." And when one Pharisee after another leave, now I want you to understand this because this is uh, something that many Western preachers like to say, which where they go wrong because they say, "Oh, why didn't they bring the man? Because he committed adultery too." But at that time, men could not commit adultery. That was the culture. Okay, that's why we didn't bring the man. Okay, it was not. But in 21st century, you know, where evoke culture, everything, we say, oh, why did we not bring the man too? You know, he did it too. No, but not according to the custom. I think I heard something that Muslims now they can get divorced by a text message or say, you know, divorced. Like I don't want, you know, culture is different. But anyway, but the detail is that when she stands there on her own, Jesus is sitting down writing on the ground, we know it, unless he got a very long arm. <laughs> long finger. <laughs> okay, so we know that he was sitting down, but it says that before he addresses her, he stands up. Amen? You know, and, and for me, that is, you know, like in any culture that I have been exposed to, that, that is universal. If you are in a room, you're sitting down, and someone greater comes into the room, or your auntie, uncle, or whatever it may be, the way you, you don't stand sitting down greeting them. You stand up to greet them, because that's a sign <laughs> of respect. And that's where we see Christianity, a living faith, living Jesus uh, in practice, is that Jesus never humiliates, Jesus never exposes, he, before he addresses you, he addresses you with, uh, to a person with respect. Do you, do you understand? You know, I used to, I've been in crazy meetings over the years, we have a prophet, so-called prophet, he, he chasing people out of the church, oh, God said, if you don't do that, you saw, and, we don't, and, and it was, and I've been to meetings where the, the preacher, he humiliated people in terms of, oh, God shook me, you and when there was some nasty thing they have going on in their life, and microphone was on, and every video was on, everyone now, so, and now, as a church member, 
we were sitting there, oh, I didn't know we were struggling with that. You know? <laughs> no, of course, we were so holy. We, we pretended we didn't hear it. But the, but, but the thing is, when it degraded people. And the gospel never degrades people. Did you understand? And that's where we, that, that's what religion do. We you know we're, we're back to the in Tibet, something like we have to walk a certain amount of steps, five, six, seven steps, and then we have to throw himself on the ground, and and completely stupid, okay? And then five, six, seven steps again, and then we have to throw. You know, it was like a kind of we had to express their submission to God, okay? You know what? God does not want you to submit to Him. He wants you to trust him. And in the trust there will be a submission. But the aim is not submission. You know, like I used to think that uh, when I was a believer, I don't know if you ever thought like that, but uh, in the Old Testament, God kept saying, Remember, remember, I took you out of Israel. No, out of Egypt, remember, don't you and I read it in this way, don't you forget I was good to you. So I was thinking. So has he got a, an insecurity problem, God, or something like that? He, they really have to remember that it was me. Until I realized that you heard me say, share this thing, that remember in Jewish culture is reenacting. Okay? Remember was not for them to, don't you forget I did you a favor. Okay? That's not what remember was about. Remember was about that if I had done it once, I will do it again. God is not going to deliver you once and then just leave you somewhere down the track. Do you know, that is the greatest shield of faith you can ever have is that whatever you, wherever you are in your life, and if, if you have a story about God delivered you before, you can be absolutely certain of God will deliver you again. No matter how stupid you have behaved, no matter how, one, how you should have, God will do it again. That's the shield of faith. What does the devil tell us? Now he won't. God delivered you for all these things, but now he's going to drop you. No, God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen? Yeah. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And, you know, and the key word here is never. Amen? Never leave you nor forsake you. You know, there have been times in my life where, you know, where, have you noticed the way the devil attacks us is always with a question. He, the devil always wants to want, know how. And, and we, don't need, we don't need to tell him how. Why? Because that's, that's where the beauty of faith is. Faith goes beyond our understanding. I do not need to understand. I just need to believe. Believe what? Believe him. Do I understand God? No, he's far too big for me to understand. Can you imagine if I could understand God? You would all be in trouble. You know, God is far beyond our understanding. So there have been times in my life when the devil has asked me, how, why, how, why? And the only thing I said to God, said to the devil was, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because I do not need to go in and reasoning with the devil. All I need to do is trust him, my <laughs> heavenly father. Amen? It is so important. You know, this is the simplicity of faith. I don't need to give the devil a theological uh, uh, <laughs> explanation for anything because the devil is defeated. Do you know, uh, you know, one of the funny things, I think that is funny, is with the Toronto blessing, that it was laughter. Okay? <laughs> I find that amusing 
when it was laughter that was the emphasis there because of a person who is proud don't like to be laughed at. I remember Richard Roberts, he was sharing about when Rodney Hart Brown came to ORU and I think ORU, I don't know if it's still up, but at that time they were, this is his words, so he shared it, so it's public knowledge, he shared ORU was in so much debt that he did not know how to pay. And when Rodney Howard Brown came to there, and when the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he just started laughing. And you know what? And, 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 and for me, it's like, uh, the devil is, is, is arrogant, he, he, and, and for, for, God, for the Holy Spirit to answer with laughter. It is like provoking him. But you have to understand, the devil is not our problem. Do you understand that? You know, I, grew, I used to grow up with, oh, it's the devil who made me do this, the devil who made me do that. No, the devil cannot make you do anything. Do you know? Do you know if the devil could make you to do something, you do not need to repent. Because it's not your fault. The devil made me. No, the, what, what did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. Romans talks about that... <coughs> But the devil is crossed under our feet. Okay? The devil is defeated. The only weapon, so to speak, that he has is deception. Okay? And the only weapon against deception is the truth. So when you know the truth, the deception has no effect. Amen? When, if I tell you the world is flat, no, sorry, if I tell you the world is round, that's how I should say. <laughs> I, I thought it was flat. <laughs> it's not flat, I can see you, it's not flat. No, it will, you will not believe it, because it's obvious that it's flat. Yeah, you, and it's, it's one o'clock, you should be awake by now. Anyway, <laughs> but, but this is where we, this is like the circumstances where we meet, meet Gideon. He had the stories, there's a history, just like we have, you know, that I was just uh, reading about the Welsh Revival, which is really maybe the most significant revival since the day of Pentecost. You know, when you have even BBC, when there was a hundred years anniversary, doing a whole night show about the revival in Wales. That um, we have the history, we living in, in UK, where maybe we are the country in the world that have the greatest spiritual uh, inheritance. You know, you name you, you name anywhere in Bradford, in Leeds, anywhere in uh, any small town in England, they have a story of revival. Okay, even the worst areas in Leeds, uh, was, you know, we one of the worst areas in I, don't, I can't say that uh, an area in Leeds, but you know where it is. Uh, not, uh, but we have a place, and that is actually that area was actually named Holy Town. Now they they shortened it to to sound something else. But it, but we we all have a revival history. Uh, what is it like? Uh, there's a there a story about it in Whitby, that uh, there was a a local guy where he cried out to God and God came upon him. When God said to him, you know, walk out there. And then suddenly the whole village just followed him. And when, when he said, what am I supposed to do? He said, go to the town hall. And then he went to the town hall. So what am I supposed to do? Preach the gospel. And they all got saved. Okay? And, and so, so we have this thing, but we also have to be honest, you know, like, you, you would not believe it. Bradford, this city here, 
This city here, Bradford, used to be the mission center to the world. Every British missionary who went to Africa, to Asia, and so on, they went through Bradford. Now we think, like I met a, I met a, a preacher from Switzerland many years ago now at a conference, and he said, so he said to me, oh, what I, he said, uh, he said to me something like, now I asked him, what is your ministry? Oh yeah, I'm building churches in the north of India. Oh, that's interesting. So he named the city. So I said, you're completely wrong place. Bradford is the north of India. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you should come up here. Okay. But, uh, but the thing is that, but this is where we are. Okay. And, and this is where it's fascinating. That, so it's in this situation that we see that God, or the angel of God, comes to Gideon and uh, judge, uh, in Judges chapter Six and uh, let, let's just start uh, from verse 12. Uh, and then it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you. Do you know the, my word to you today? God is with you. Yes. And if God is with you, now you're no longer a loser. Yes, amen. amen? Now, if God is with you, you have no issues anymore. Amen. You don't. I, 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 there's a Filipino pastor in Canada. She was preaching about something. Knock, knock, Jesus is at the door. He don't need to knock. He's already in here. Okay? But the thing is, God is with you. This is the first thing the angel of the Lord says to Gideon. God is with you. And do you know what? When you and I, we receive Jesus as our Savior and Lord, now, from that moment and forever, you will never be without Jesus. And it's so important we have that as our foundation, but where religion creeps in, there is something in our flesh that wants to punish ourselves in terms of what we would like to say that we have deserved it. Maybe through a religious deed, maybe through a religious act, or, so, uh, or we, what, what the Catholic says, we do penance. So like I've done something naughty, and uh, so I do penance. Yeah, I ask God to forgive me, but when I do a little bit of good deeds, and then I feel good about my forgiveness. But the thing is, our kingdom is built on faith. Our relationship is built on faith. Our relationship is, is built on his character. He is faithful and just that when I confess my sin, he forgives me. I don't need to add on to his forgiveness. Do you understand? I don't, I, I, all I have to do, I need to trust his character where he says that when I confess my sin, he forgives I don't need to make up with good deeds on top of it. We're not Catholics, okay? You know, when you've done something wrong in the Catholic Church, when you have to go and do penance and do something, uh, say, Ave Maria, X amount of times and so on and so forth, and, you know, and that gives your flesh some kind of justification, satisfaction, say, yeah, now I deserve my forgiveness. But the truth of the matter is none of us deserve to be forgiven. We have received forgiveness as a grace and a mercy. And when it's a grace and a mercy, that means it has nothing to do with me. It has all to do with the one who is extending it. 
Amen. So we, that's why that we sometimes we can look at people and say, oh, how can God forgive them? And how can God do this for them? Because it has nothing to do with them. It has all to do with Him. And that's why that, and it's so important we understand this as of our foundation, that when you have the foundation in your life, where you realize my life is built upon His goodness. It's not built upon my good behavior, my good deeds, my good whatever we can add into it. That is not why we are doing well. We are doing well because He is good. That is all that matters. That He and and so like so like for example, you hear people and they they use it very very piously and they, they really look nice in their face when they say, "Oh yeah, I'm just a sinner saved by grace." You know, it sounds so humble. You know, like I'm not going to blow myself up to be more like. But listen to what you're saying. I'm a sinner saved by grace. No, you can't be two people. You can't be a sinner saved by grace because if you are a sinner saved by grace, then you're not a sinner. Which one are you? Are you a sinner or are you saved? You can't be a sinner and saved. What you can say, but I don't think you should spend too much time on it, is that you are a sinner that were saved by grace. And now you are the righteousness of God. And it's so important we get this thing, that we get that sin mentality out of our way of thinking that we that uh, I think E.W. Kenyon he, he he calls it sin consciousness that that always makes us inadequate always makes you think that you are not deserving you are you're not worthy and so on and so forth and you know and that's true of matter when we look at ourselves yeah we can find many things that is wrong with ourselves but the thing is what what does the bible say consider Jesus when I was in a youth group, I think that was one of the things that was really popular. We have a slow, melancholic worship song. I mean, let the Holy Spirit come and search your heart if you are right with Him. I'm telling you, we all end up in depression after five minutes. <laughs> like, you know, there's, there's nothing good in me. That's why I need Jesus. Amen. And, and it's so important we understand that don't waste your time looking at yourself. Can you remember when you were a teenager? Now, I know that's a challenge for some of you. <laughs> Can you remember you got a pimple on your nose? And after half an hour, that pimple was bigger than your head. Because you looked at it so many times, that you, all you could see was that pimple. Because you focused so much upon it. But the thing is, no one else noticed it. But it was a big thing, and what do we do then? Ah. And then we, the whole nose becomes wet. <laughs> it gets even worse, okay? So we just made it even worse. But now, now before no one noticed, but now everyone can see it. But are you, are you, uh, <laughs> no. But the thing is that Christianity is not, don't look at ourselves, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. The greatest challenge that we have within relationship with one another, is very often, uh, Corinthians talks about that we have been entrusted a treasure in a vessel of clay. Have you noticed, uh, I've noticed many times in my life, it is so easy to look at the clay. Okay, it, it can be nice clay, it can be bad clay, but it's so easy, oh, I want that preacher to pray for me. Oh, I want that preacher. You know, we're looking at the clay. No, looking at the treasure within the clay. 
And I believe that the, the most important thing we should focus upon, look at him. Gideon, he was looking at the past. He was looking at himself. He was looking at his circumstances. And that's why he said to, to the angel of the Lord, where are all the miracles? Well, you know, he was looking. He didn't look at the one thing he was supposed to look at, God. Amen. And, and I believe that this is what you and I, we should focus upon, that in this new year, we focus upon him. Don't focus upon your circumstances. Don't focus upon your history. Don't focus upon your experiences, or good or bad, or whatever it may be. Focus upon him. You know, like, when people, when you know, like, do you know what? This is human nature. When I say Peter walked on the water, most of us be thinking about, yeah, but he sank. But he did walk on water before he sank. No one remembers that. No, no, Peter, he walked on water, but he sunk. Okay? The thing is that, that the moment, as long as Peter looked at Jesus, he could do the impossible. He, you know, he could walk beyond natural circumstances. Natural circumstances was not limiting him as long as he focused on Peter. But when he says that the wind came, the, the wind blew, suddenly, like a, a Venice wind blew, now oh, I'm walking on water. What did he do? He stopped looking at Jesus. He stopped looking at Jesus. He stopped looking at Jesus. And the moment he stopped looking at Jesus, he couldn't do the impossible anymore. And that's what the devil would want to distract you. He would want to uh, uh, divert your attention to many other things. For as long as he can get you to focus upon anything but Jesus, he knows, now I got you. That's why when I say, when I say, like I just quote Psalm 22, verse 1, when I say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What do I do? <coughs> I focus upon Jesus. I don't focus upon the circumstance, the situation, the, uh, whatever you must struggle with. I focus upon Him. It's impossible in the natural to be healed. It's impossible in the natural to see divine provision. It's impossible to be in the natural to be saved. It's impossible in the natural to be forgiven by God. But what do we do? We don't walk by what we see. We don't walk by what we feel. We walk by what we believe. And when your faith takes you into another realm where the impossible is now possible. Luke 137, you know, all things are possible with God. And the key word is with God. Just like here, Gideon, he was told by the angel of the Lord, God is with you. Do you know, that was the one thing that caught my attention when I got saved, that God was with me. God was with me. You know, it was not like my teacher showed me favor or my whatever, this guy or this would show me favor. No, God was with me. And the next word that came up in my head was, that's quite interesting. If God is with me, not, not just a, a rich man or a good friend or whatever, a strong friend or whatever, God is with me. That means nothing is impossible. Don't worry, it's not God because God is wireless, you know. <laughs> Even you put it on silence, God can... Okay, but God, and this is the first thing that... that that God says to Gideon to pull him out of these circumstances, this situation, this, uh, his, his experiences, because as we know, 
his self-image was really, really poor. And religion has made it sound pious to pull yourself down. Okay? In, I don't know, in English culture, in Danish culture, we have this thing where, very similar to that, we want to build people up to knock them down. And when we have this thing, don't you dare think that you are something. Don't you think that you're better than us. Uh, we, we have this saying about that, uh, that if you go and meet someone, that uh, let's say a bigger name, a uh, famous name or someone, when there's a very common saying when your parents or someone will say, don't you forget, he's a human too. <laughs> They're like uh, pulling you down or don't you, you know, we, we love to pull everyone down, so to speak. And, it's, and, and you know, when we pull other people down, what we don't realize, we're also pulling ourselves down. And there is that question universally way that the lower I can make myself, humility is not that you degrade yourself. Humility is that you trust what God says about you. Amen. That's humility. Humility is not to say, oh, I'm useless, I'm not good for anything, I'm, I'm ugly, I'm too old, I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I'm whatever you may say. And you go, oh, yeah, no, don't, I really, I'm really pious now, I don't. Like, uh, no, worship people are the worst sometimes. Oh, there was an amazing song. When we say, it wasn't me, it was God. I had one experience with a woman. She was really good at singing. I said, oh, this is amazing. I said, no, no, it's not me. It was God. So I said to her, it wasn't that good. <laughs> no, but she, she couldn't receive praise. You know what? Us, for you and I not to be, be able to receive praise is really a reflection of a poor self-image. Because what do we do? Say, no, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But the thing is, you don't get what you deserve in the kingdom of God. Yes. You receive grace. Yes. Amen. You receive mercy. You know, this is the whole thing. Now you're living a life where it's no longer dependent upon you, but it's dependent upon a good father in heaven who said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And therefore, we can do this children's song that because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Okay? And don't sing it as a comfort blanket. Oh, I heard some people sing this. Oh, God, this is like a face. It's like a comfort, comfort blanket. No, that's not how you should take it. Fate is not a comfort blanket. Okay? Fate is, should be make, you, make you courageous. Fate should make you bold. Fate should make you strong. Fate should make you take initiative. Because there's nothing to fear. Even if you're messing up. God is bigger than you're messing up. Uh, I, I remember there was a man called Bob Mumford. He he used to write a lot of teaching books, but I don't know if he's still alive. I, I, I used to read a lot of his books. And I remember when he said this thing, no, oh, probably you don't understand now, but in the olden days when you had a car without power steering, can you remember that? You know, when you had to turn the car and uh, it, like you really need, uh, it, you didn't need to go to the gym because turning the car. But the thing is that he, he, he used this image of that, Many people were trying to turn the car while it's stationary. But, we, but you need to let the car move a little bit when you move the steering wheel without power. And it's the same thing that so many people were so scared of doing anything because they're so scared of if I do something, it might be wrong. And then God cannot steer you. Even if you start up in the wrong direction, God can once you in once you once you're in emotion, now God can steer you. 
Don't be scared of making mistakes. God is bigger than your mistakes. Don't be scared of, of you know, that some, you know, it's fear that wants us to do everything perfect from the beginning. That's fear. Because, yeah, I heard people say, oh, when I do something for God, it has to be perfect. And they've never done anything for God. Because they're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm telling you, you speak to any minister, any preacher, any, anywhere who... I'm telling you, they can tell you about all the mistakes that they have made in their lives. But you know what? God is bigger than their mistakes. Okay? That's why you have to be careful when you hear testimonies. Don't copy it, because it could be that God has overturned a mistake we made. I'm, Pastor Frank and I, we once spoke to a youth meeting, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I was young and stupid. Uh, I'm horrified when I'm looking back at it now. We, we were in this youth meeting. It was really, really, it was really amazing. And I was just stupid and crazy. So there was a guy who broke his arm in the afternoon. He had plaster on his arm. Just came back from hospital to the evening. And I said to him, you are healed now in Jesus' name. And I pulled off his plaster, okay? And I said to clap your hands and he was healed. Now don't go out and copy that. That was God overturning my mistake. Do you understand? <laughs> Yeah, but the thing is that sometimes we are so scared of making a mistake, so that we never get to do anything. Okay? Uh, what is it, Benjamin Franklin with, with the light bulb? Was it 99 times he failed? They said to him, and he said, no, no, I didn't fail 99 times. I found 99 ways of not to do it. Okay? And as I say, as you heard me say before, is that if you, that you only fail if you quit. Okay? If you don't quit, you just practiced. Okay? And, but anyway, so God is with you. And this is how we must start the new year in this assurance of God is with me. And now it's so important to understand God is not an emotion. God is not a feeling. I know charismatics, they like to say, I can feel God. You cannot feel God. This is just a, one of these sayings that I come in. You cannot feel God. Just because you can't feel Him doesn't mean that He is not there. Because if I can only feel Him, that is a contradictive to that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Or we, what do we also say? God is here. So where was He before? He said, he, you know, we need to live in that assurance of He's always with me. Not that, not that he comes and goes, but he's always with me. He's not an emotion. He's not a feeling. God, you know, just like you, you, you can walk up behind someone and surprise them. Just because we didn't see you, that didn't mean that you were not there. God is always with you. It's so important that you, you get that so deep into your heart that God is always with you. Because it's that foundation that will be your foundation for your breakthrough, for your deliverance, for your provision, for your healing, that God is with you. So this is what he says to him. Now, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with you. And now what he does, he changes his image of himself. Gideon, as we know, he looked at himself as little in his own eyes. Do you know who else saw himself as little in his own eyes? King Saul. He was, Samuel said to King Saul, because you are little in your own eyes, 
Notice it wasn't the devil who defeated him. It was because he was little in his own eyes. <coughs> in his own eyes. And now, I believe many of us, we can, we can be trapped in that. When we become little in our own eyes, we say, who am I? Who am I to do this? Who am I can do that? I don't have this, or I don't have that. Have you noticed we're really, really good advocates to tell ourselves how useless we are? We don't need the devil to tell us how useless we are. We are really good at that ourselves. But the thing is, God, he do not want you to see you like that. Amen. But you know, can you imagine someone goes out and say, yeah, someone you meet, introduce them, and they say, oh yeah, I'm really amazing, I'm so pretty. You say, oh, what kind of idiot are you? But if someone say, oh, I'm not very good at anything, I'm so ugly, we just, oh yeah. Ah, you're not so ugly, but ugly, yeah, but not so ugly. But whatever, we take that more natural to hear. But if you and someone, you meet someone and say, oh, I'm the most beautiful person that you've ever seen. I said, what's wrong with you? I mean, idiot. <laughs> Whatever. Because that is how... But the thing is, we, uh, the whole world here, we, we grew up in a culture where everything pressing us down. So that we see ourselves as small in our own eyes. That's why we need whatever, uh, crocodile, or whatever, we, you know, we, we need a brain, so to speak. You know, we don't buy a shirt, we buy a brain. We don't, when we buy most things, we buy an identity. Why? Because the advertising company, they need you to feel low about yourself, so that you can buy their product. That's the culture that we brought up in. Okay? But God says here to Gideon, you are a mighty man of wealth. Basically what he's saying is equivalent to, no worry, I don't have COVID, okay. Now <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I just lost it. No, but, but what he's saying basically to Gideon, where he's saying you are a mighty man of valor, his space is equivalent to Luke 137, where nothing is impossible with God. He's basically saying, Gideon, you're a mighty man of Allah. He's basically saying, Gideon, you can do whatever you put your hand to. It will succeed. Mm. Amen. And this is what God is saying to all, you know, you and I, we don't need to wait for another outpouring. You and I don't need for another revelation. We don't, you and I don't need to see some, uh, something happens, a uh, manifestation, or get ten prophecies, or ten nightmares, or dreams, sorry, and, uh, and then you will do it. No, you don't need it. You got everything now. Because God is with you. Amen. God is with you. Pastor Young, when he had to learn this thing about that God was with him, he was the kingdom of God. No, he used to quote himself, uh, he called his wife, the kingdom of God is coming home. So, ah, the kingdom of God is eating dinner now. The kingdom of God don't like the food. The kingdom, when his wife said, oh, when the kingdom of God can cook his, himself. <laughs> She's the one I want to meet in heaven. She's really funny. And of course, he puts it in the books. Uh, like when he, when he complained about her, that she had, when she was ill, she had some skin diseases, whatever. He put uh, oil on it and, and uh, nothing happened. And when he started telling her off, why don't you have any faith? I said, when she said, why don't you preach better? <laughs> So I can have faith, okay? But, but the thing is, 
if you can get that established in your life that God is with you. And now, don't fall into the trap that, oh, who am I, and so on. You know what? Your prayer life will, uh, prayer life will, will, will change. Because I hear many people when they pray. You know, when people pray, you can hear how they see God. Because many people, they pray to God as they are beggars. That, that prayer is to convince God to intervene on their behalf. No, that's not prayer. Prayer is fellowship with Him. Amen? Prayer is when you fellowship with Him. Anyway, so he changes the way he looks at himself. And he says, you are a mighty man. He don't say, you're just a man of valor. No, no, you are a mighty man of valor. So it would be like he, if he came to me, Kurt, you're not just young, you are amazingly young. Amen. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Amen. But, but he, he said, you are mighty man. Can you imagine what Gideon felt when, uh, when the angel of the Lord looked at him and said, You are mighty man of valor. Here was Gideon with that long history where he'd been telling himself so many times, I'm useless, I'm stupid, I'm stupid, I'm stupid, I'm stupid, I can't do anything. But everyone is better than me, I'm useless, whatever. And when God said, Oh, you are mighty man of valor. Uh, how many people have said to about themselves, I'm stupid? Oh, I'm stupid, I'm stupid, I'm stupid, 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 stupid. You're not stupid, stupid. You're only stupid if you say you're stupid, stupid. Okay? But we are, we've been trained to say things. We've been trained to say bad things about ourselves. We've not been trained to say good things about ourselves. Why? Because this is the spirit of this world. The spirit of this world degrades people. The spirit of God enhances people, lifting people up. And this is what this is the first thing. We we don't need a worldwide famous evangelist to come to Bradford or come anywhere. God got you. You just need to realize you're not stupid, stupid. Okay? You just need to realize God is with you. You just need to realize that He will never leave you nor forsake you. Now you can be bold. Do you know what? This is the foundation for Gideon's calling. This is the foundation. Wow, I'm preaching to one for quarter past one. I just remember this. <laughs> we started at 12. So <laughs> I was just waiting. I did I talk so long. Okay. But, but I wrote in my Bible here, all we need, all we need is that to know that God is with me. God is with me, and he said, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, oh my Lord, oh, so now it sounds really holy, isn't it? Oh my Lord. <laughs> oh my, it's like when someone, no, anyway, it's, uh, when he talks about what I shared about, now 14, now, do you know what I find amusing with God? He never responds to stupidity. You know, verse 13 is Gideon being stupid, showing he didn't listen. He's just been told, you're mighty man of hell, I'm with you. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, it's like people say, I, I have people come to me and say, oh, God told me to do this. Okay, so what, what are you doing now? I'm praying about it. <laughs> Who are you praying to? To God. Yeah, but God told you, didn't he? Yeah, but now I'm praying about it. So who are you praying to now? To God. Yeah, but God told you. Yeah, man, I know, but I'm... And you know, this is where religion becomes stupid. 
Is it? Can you imagine God telling you something? Do this. I'm praying about it, God. <laughs> what do you want to know more than do it? Yeah, but I'm, that's what I'm praying about, God. You know, but, but the thing is, Gideon, he completely didn't hear it. And I think many of us, we have not heard God is with you. Many of us have not heard, I am amazing. As I told you many times in, in the early days, now, go, this is your homework this week. Go home, go into the bathroom, look in the mirror and say, I'm amazing. If the mirror cracks, <laughs> then you failed. Okay, okay but, but Gideon didn't hear. But you know what is amazing about God? You know what I find out now? There's no point being stupid before God because God doesn't listen. Because God does not respond at all to Gideon. He does not respond at all to verse 13. He carries on from where he, he did in verse 14. That's verse 12. So in 14 he said, and, God, and the Lord looked upon him. So he said, after Gideon, he said, I'm not I'm just useless. Blah, blah. And then the Lord looked upon him. Idiot. No, he didn't say that. And, so he said, and the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this your might. Go in this your might. You know, this line became a, something that really jumped up on me the last week. I've read this so many times. I mean, God says, go in this your might. What is he saying? You already got everything you need. Amen. Now, go. And that's my word for you, 2023. Go. Yes, amen. Stand up. Act. Act. Now, when, when, when I have ministered to sick people or to him, do you think that something like I get an inner vision of Gabriel coming down in a white robe with a sword in his hand, eyes burning with fire, and when I say, be healed, <laughs> I feel nothing at all. I trust just what the Bible says. Do you understand? Do you know that most people, when they have their salvation moment, they don't see angels shouting, holy, holy, holy. They don't see the water splits in their bathtub or whatever. <laughs> they, they, just, they just believe, the Bible says, that if you believe in your heart and confesses with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, now you are saved. And if you are in doubt, do you know what? You can just turn to chapter and verse again and remind yourself. Amen. Yes. You know, sometimes if, you, if I could just get you to trust the word of God as much as you trust your bank statement, we will come a long way. Have you, when you, now, we don't get bank statements anymore, do we? No, it just comes up on that. But do you remember in the olden days? Come in. But it, I mean, we trust numbers. But we, but we can trust the Bible in the same way. Okay, he said, go in your strength. Now, notice he said, go in your strength. Go in your, he didn't say, go in my strength. I will anoint you. Then you can go. No, he said, go in your strength. Because it's more than sufficient that God is with you. And you have the right self-image. You are the righteousness of God. Amen. You are God's favorite child. You are the child of the living God. Amen? You're not going to be. You are now. And that, you know that when you are God, or, no, when, when, when God is your father, you have to understand now that comes with all the privileges it, it, it comes with as, as that God is your father. You're not just 
uh, child of a, a, a one person. No, you're a child of the living God. Child of the living God. Not just child of someone, child of the living God. That's why Jesus, he is the king of kings. Do you know? King of kings. Who are the kings? You are. Who are the lords of lords? He's the lord of lords. Who are the lords? It's you and me. But we, but religion has walked that away from us. Religion has walked that away from us. Because of religion loves us. The devil loves us to have low self-esteem. Oh, he can live with when you say you were born again Christian and you go to heaven. But as long as you're beating yourself up the rest of your life down here, then he's fine with it. Okay? Uh, no, but, but because he knows that's not the purpose for your Christian life. Your purpose in life, the moment you receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord, now you are supposed to be Jesus to this world. Amen? Now you're supposed to be Jesus to this world. That all things are possible. So, by the way, I also have a Christmas greetings from Pastor Erling. So I said to him, yeah, you God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. Pastor Erling, you know, I said, he said, how, he said, asked me, how are you? I said, I'm more worried about how you are. Can you imagine 64 and becoming a dad? Ooh. <laughs> hey, I, 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 I said, how are you? I said, ah, don't, don't worry about me. How are you? Okay, can you imagine waking up 3 o'clock in the night or whatever? <laughs> anyway, uh, so I said to him, oh, all things are possible, Pastor Erling. So <laughs> anyway, but the thing is that we, we, we need to come back to this thing. Don't wait for something to happen. You already got it. You already got it. Already. You know, but... Abraham, I was finished with that. Abraham, Abraham, uh, first uh, Genesis chapter 17 and 18, 19, that Abraham was 75 years old when God came down to him and said, you will have a son. Okay? And you know, Abraham, he's, he, you know, I'm so glad he's our patriarch because of uh, he do everything stupid and he don't hear God just like we don't hear him. We, when we hear God, we think ourselves what God said. But, that was, but what we think God said, he didn't really say. But we may think is So Abraham thought, Sarah says, uh, so Abraham and Sarah, they have some kind of a church seminar and say, oh, maybe it's with Hagar. Ooh. Okay? And... Uh, and you know, we know that was not the issue, and we, we have struck with that church seminar ever since then, because of uh, the Muslims and the Christians, we Jews, we all fighting about that ever since. You know, you're only a Jew if your mom is a Jew. But the Muslims, they say, no, no, the inheritance goes with the father. Okay, because if that's, because that's, that means it's Ishmael who is the, uh, the heir to Abraham. But the thing is that the Jewish people say, no, it's your mom. If your dad is a Jew and your mom is not a Jew, you're not a Jew. Okay? But if your mom is a Jew and your dad is not a Jew, you are a Jew. And that goes all the way back to this. Where the Muslim says, no, no, it's all dependent on the father. Okay? It's because the Jewish people, they say that who you become, your culture you become, that is usually put into you from your mother. 
So, like Jew, uh, you know, don't believe the Nazis. To be a Jew is not a race. This is something Adolf Hitler introduced that it was a race. Anti-Semitism, no, it's a belief. Okay, but anyway, so he comes down and say, "You will have a son." And now, and now, the wonderful thing, God comes down to him. I think four times before that, and then one time he comes down. And it's all like this. This is in the middle of the night. So God say, "Look at the stars, and you have children like this." I don't know about you. If I was Abraham, I would just say, "I don't need stars like kids like. That. I just need one." <laughs> you know, you talking about millions? I can't even have one. And then the next time he comes down in daylight. He said, oh, as with dust on the ground. So, I you know, everywhere he goes, dust is, you know, when they eat sandwiches, when, when his, his wife is wearing sandals. And, 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 so, and, and I don't know if he had any daughters. He probably called her Sandy or something. <laughs> anyway, you know, we know ourselves that we have had these promises, that we see something in the Word of God and we show off, this is what God has given to me. And he even confirmed it to us, and yet we don't see it in our life. It's a lie to us. We know it was God, and yet we didn't do it. No, sorry, we didn't see it. And then the fifth time that God comes down, now, this is where Abraham now is 99 years old. Can you imagine that? You have so-called stood in faith for 24 years. You 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 have seen you have seen every sky you know every star in the sky by now, every sand whatever. Twenty four years he has stood in faith, so to speak. You know he have a promise, but it's not manifested. And when God comes down to him and say, "Your name is Abraham," you know he said, "Your name is no longer Abraham. Your name is Abraham." And for me, you know what, I believe, and you can see that as a pattern in the Bible, when God speaks, it happened. You know, faith is past tense. So like, like let there be light, and light was. It, 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 the Bible does not say, let, God said, let there be light, and then now light appeared. No, it says, light was. And do you know what, the great thing about something that is in past tense, we cannot change it. It's settled. How many of us have not wanted to change our past? And we know we can't. And this is why faith is wonderful. Because once God said it, now it's past tense. Meaning it has happened. So from God's point of view, Abraham, Abraham had a son when he was 75. Because that's where God said it. But Abraham couldn't see the sun in the natural until when so God had to come down and help him to understand faith is not something that happens in the future faith is something that has already happened so now Abraham I, I use the image of it, Abraham is the one who is waiting for it to happen Abraham realized it has already happened so now he was not going to be a father. When he changed his name to Abraham, he realized, that, realized I am a father. Mm-hmm. Yes. Can you see the difference? That many of us, we stand in faith, hoping maybe tomorrow is a better day, or maybe next week, or next, whatever it may be, 
And we call it faith. No, that's not faith. That's hope. Okay? Faith, when God is, when the moment God says it, it had happened. So now Abraham, what happened, what he realized when he was 99 years old, I'm not going to have a son. I got it. I'm not going to be healed. I am. I'm not going to be, receive provision. I got it. I'm not going to have a breakthrough. I got it. What is my breakthrough? Jesus. I'm not, faith is not that I'm going to. Faith is not that I'm going to get. Faith is, I realize, I got it. When you receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you receive everything that heaven has. Amen. Just like when you, you know, like, but the moment you receive Jesus, everything the kingdom of God has is yours. You know, some people, they, they even pray, God, do something. Have they not read their Bible? The Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. What does that mean? He's resting. What does it mean? He's done what he needs to do. In the Old Testament, you see the priest, they are standing up because they still have to work. They, no, they, 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 their job was not done, but Jesus, he's sitting down. He's resting because everything that you need or any of us needs to be everything that God wants you and I to be has already made available. But the problem is we are like Abraham, like Abraham, we are waiting one day, one day, one day, one day. But until but that day, he realized, I'm not going to be a father. I am a father. I am a father. I'm not going to be, I am. That's faith. That's the faith. Faith is, I got it. Amen. Faith is not, I'm going to get it. Faith is, I got it. So he went home to Sarah. We got a son. She said, you could have fooled me. <laughs> you know? But she learned also because her name was changed also to Sarah. Okay? So they both changed. So now it was like, we're not going to be parents. We are parents. And you know, within three months, he waited 24 years. Within three months, what God said is now manifest in the natural. Because that's where she gets pregnant, unless you have a very long pregnancy. He said within a year, okay? So nine months, three months. So three months he spent saying, I am a father, I'm not going to be. And what he had waited 24 years about and nothing happened, now manifested. He realized, faith is not that I'm going to get it, faith is that I have it. That's faith. Okay? But because we have been taught in this way, that we're going to, or we're going to, or we, and because we can sometimes say something so many times that so we actually believe this is, what, this is what the Bible says. Just like Joel, chapter 3, 10, isn't it? What is it? What is it? That song now. The, the, no, the, the verse that is not in the Bible, the poor shall say I'm rich. What is the, the line before the song? And the... The weak shall say I'm strong. The weak shall say I'm strong. And, and, but, and we think this poor shall say I'm rich is in the Bible. But it's not in the Bible. But because we said it so many times, we think it's in the Bible. But until we look, oh, it doesn't say... That doesn't mean that you couldn't say it. It just say it's not in the Bible. 
Okay, but faith is that I got it. I got it. You know, when you and I got saved, we, we you know we used to say I got saved that year. I got saved for this. No, we got saved two thousand years ago, when Jesus cried out and said, "It is finished." But at different time, how did we receive it? We received it when we realized it. But I, salvation is available. Can you imagine now, this morning you realize there is provision. When you, if you realize there is healing, if you realize there is breakthrough available, it's not going to be, it's not going to... So, do you know what? Your whole prayer life will change because you don't need to convince, you know, sometimes people are praying like if they're an advocate in a courtroom, like they have to build a case before God to say, God, can you not see I need this? No. You got it. Amen. You got it. Whatever, you name your need, own, own situation, uh, don't name it loud, just for yourself. Aaron just add, I got it. Amen. I got it. When I got saved, I said, I told everyone, I'm saved. And then looked. You do not look saved. You don't talk saved. You don't sound saved. You don't do any saved things. Before I lost my mind. But I held on. Now there are even more doubt. Okay, but, but you hold on. And that's how your salvation manifests from your spirit into your soul, into your body, into your life. Okay, you might not see it because you most, most of us in general surround ourselves mostly with people of similar faith. So you might not see it so much, but put yourself in a different circumstance and you will see it immediately. Okay, so Abraham, the key with uh, the story about Abraham, he got it. When I got saved, you know, that uh, no one, uh, uh, I remember one day I was on my way to heaven, the next day I was on my way to hell, heaven, hell, it was like a roller coaster. When I'd done something good, I was, oh, hallelujah, I'm on my way to heaven, call up a hundred When I did something wrong, oh, God, throw not your servant away. <laughs> you know, it was, so I could, all these religious phrases, this was just religious phrases, until suddenly it dawned on me, he will never leave me nor forsake me. Amen. Amen. So he said, go. And can I just encourage you? Go and do what you're supposed to do. Don't wait for, for something to happen. Don't let 2023 be another year that passes apart. But go and do. Go and do. <coughs> no, I, I complain a lot about being his pastor. Uh, uh, religious systems is really, if you don't want to play the church politics and all sorts of things, you know that, things goes very slowly and I know, I know I have to do certain things in Denmark and so on. So three, four months ago I decided I'm going to, to do preach online on Facebook to, in Danish. I'm not going to wait for the pastors to invite me or whatever and then get involved in all the weird things that goes on in church world and so on. You know, within these three months I grown it to 150 people and I don't know any of them. You know, and, and it's just spreading. So, so every Sunday afternoon when I go home from here, I'm preaching an hour in Danish. To, and, 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 you know, here was I, over oh, yes. God, help me to open a door in Denmark. Help me, God. Help me, God. I think I even fasted once. Now, that must have been a weak spot when I was with, no, and, and then God said, just do. Do, just do. Yeah, just do. Do what? Just do. 
just act. No, we, we are so good at talking about what we would like to do, but why don't we just do it? Why don't we just do it? I want to do, start a business, don't talk about it, start it. I want to be a bank robber, don't talk, no, <laughs> okay. don't, don't do that, okay? But the thing is, sometimes just act. But because of our culture, we, we drowning in words. Like, I, I spoke to a guy here the other day. He's also one of these, but Jesus is coming back tomorrow or whatever else. I said to him, you don't even believe it yourself. So I said to him, no, did you know I have a sermon that said Jesus came yesterday. <coughs> he said, what? And I said, you don't even believe it, because if you believe Jesus came back yet tomorrow, I'm telling you, you will be so busy cleaning up your life, do all sorts of things. I remember the YWAM when I was a Bible who said something like, what would you do if Jesus is coming and visit you in the, tomorrow? And then everyone was like, oh, I'm go home and clean and do all the things there. No, if, if, we really believe, if you believe in healing, act upon it. If you believe Jesus is coming back tomorrow, then act upon it. If you believe that you should pray, then pray. If you believe you should evangelize, then evangelize. If you believe you should whatever, do it. Okay, and you know what? It's interesting. You could take Reinhard Bonker, you can take Catherine Kuhlman, you can name any preacher. They will all say, now I don't know if that is because they want to be humble or whatever, but they all say that they were not God's first choice. My point in that is, don't disqualify yourself even before you're begun. Okay, because what are we good at saying? Oh, but I can't do it because he or she is much better than me to do. Yeah, but we're not doing it. You do it. If you can see it, do it. Okay? And I'm telling you, if you, if you, if you grasp this thing, I mean, and, and don't be afraid of it, because God is with you, your 2023 can be the greatest year yet. Amen? Amen? You know, they, you know they, we don't need to wait for a prophetic outpouring of this. You know, like Smith Wiggles, what he said, if God doesn't move, I move God. Mm -hmm. Amen? For most of us who have had babies at Christmas, if we don't wake up, the kids wakes us up. <laughs> if the parents don't move, we move the parents. <laughs> it's about time now. <laughs> I always thought it was good we celebrate Christmas at evening in Denmark. I'm glad I'm not. A, it must be terrible to be. You know. Anyway, you know, you, you, he said, God said to Gideon, go in all your strength. You know, now, what comes afterwards, that's where he do always think about the feasting thing and whatever, and we very often, but it's not really to Gideon's credit that he's doing it. Gideon could have, he, it was more than sufficient for Gideon to know that God is with you and you're a mighty man of valor. Now go in your strength. What can you do? You can, you know, and you know what? The tool of evangelism is very often something we don't associate with evangelism. We're thinking evangelism is something like we need to get a pe gather people into a church and whatever. I mean, no, it can be you just helping where you are. It can be you saying a word to one person, and whatever it may be. If you really want to spread the gospel, take all your savings, go down to Morrison Saturday morning, and say, <coughs> "Can I borrow the microphone?" Hello, my name is Oliver Aguelas. I'm from the Philippines. And by the way, 
All this shopping is on me today. <laughs> we will be lining up at a. You'll be the most. You. You'll be the most popular person in uh, Bradford. You'll be. I think you'll get even in. Yeah, what is it called? Bradford Telegraph and Argus. You. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not difficult. I think there was a woman or something last year, wasn't it? A man or something who paid for the shopping for one person or something like that. I mean, God, it, you, oh, you'll become a, you'll become a Sir Oliver or something. They'll make you a lord and give you a knighthood or something. But it's not difficult. As I told you that, well, I, as I told you about this woman, she couldn't speak, she couldn't preach, she couldn't do anything. But she just baked a cake. She baked a piece of bread. And then she went around to her neighbors and so. And she, that way, she opened doors. Okay, she opened doors. She didn't need to go, and uh, <laughs> gladly they, they, they stopped doing that now. But Jehovah's Witnesses, when they don't go and knock at doors anymore, but because uh, we, we used to do that as Christians too, knocking at doors, and no one opened the door anyway. But but you you have something in your life. You might think it's insignificant. It might be the most common thing in your life, but if you start using it, it can make a difference. In someone else's life, okay. Moses here running around with that shepherd's staff for 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 years, and until when one day God said, "What is in your hand?" And that shepherd's staff that he took for granted, that was just part of the furniture really in his life, that delivered a whole nation. And do you know what you ha- you have the same? I have the same, but and it's very often the one thing that we we consider the most insignificant. Okay, anyway, let's pray now. Father, in the name of Jesus, 